This is the Gary V Audio Experience. I'm ready to rock and roll. Yes, yeah. I'm going to go flip it first over to Inga, and uh, we're going to go with her. Uh, so, Inga, let me just. And just to remind everybody, right. you know, obviously, you've been going through the day. This is the time to get very, very narrow and very, very selfish. Like, what is your actual question? You, everybody will find ironically value from each other, but um, please fire away. All right. Inga, you're up. Thanks. Hey, Gary. So I, um, I was just talking to Brittany about this, but I'm, I'm really kind of struggling to figure out how to separate my day job from like all the other personal branding things that I, you know, want to do. Your, your, um, when you were talking for some reason, my headphones weren't working super well. I caught the tail end, but I was going to ask you up front. What is the job again? Remind me. Uh, so I work for Tesla, um, in operations and I, you know, I like, I haven't really done anything on social because I've been with Tesla for almost five years and, you know, we're under very strict NDAs and, yes. um, you know, I just, it just like, I didn't, couldn't figure out how to talk about. And why you know, do you want to, and why do you want to make personal brand content? Because I feel like I have a lot to say. I have a lot to give. I have a lot to. Um, Can you do that without change? disclosing where you work? Or, well, without, my, or without referencing anything and talking in general? Totally. It's just that my main platform is on LinkedIn and that's where I have a current, a bit of a base. Um, I have and, some followers. And, are, and is the company giving you any headaches for putting out content? Uh, no, not yet. I haven't really, like I said, I haven't, I, I went on LinkedIn in 2015 and I, I knew that I, you know, wanted to build something in the future and I started building up a network and I you know I have 30,000 followers which is not a lot but no, it's, it's, a lot. it's not nothing no it's a lot, so, a lot but I haven't been engaging them and I feel like that's sort of my place that's where and I feel is comfortable that, and, and I apologize for interrupting because I just want to get you as much value as possible what what was why'd you sign up for this what is the KPI what would you like to happen I ultimately would like to like deliver value to people who struggle with the things that I see people struggle with all the time um, and, an, and ultimately a, monetize. Yeah. Got it. And how would you like to monetize at least as a hypothesis right now? I, I mean, I guess I would like to like provide, provide training materials, provide, um, you know, so is, is, is your, is your hope to, so you're in a pickle where you want to build personal brand to monetize, but you'd like to do that while you're still getting paid by Tesla, but you're half pregnant because you can only go so far because you work at Tesla. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So in this scenario, I think there's a couple of things to think about. One, you can start building brand on TikTok, believe it or not, without any reference to Tesla or Tesla in your bio. And there's a huge white space for every business on here right now on TikTok and all of you are gonna blow it. I don't know what else to say. That's the word I'm gonna use. Organic reaches through the moon. 30 and 40 year olds are on the platform at scale. You can literally post one video and many more people will buy your fruit wine or buy your you know, ketchup that you're exclusive in Canada to or sign up for your nursery school. Like everybody here, is grossly underestimating how much they can do on TikTok because TikTok is now Instagram 
from seven years ago, but you're going to wait another three years before you treat it that way. Like the little rant I just made right now for 74 seconds is 100% a massive ROI to what you spent on this program if you actually listened to me and do something about it. So, so for you, you're in a really tough spot because you could either save money and like cut down your cost of living so that you can buy yourself an entire 18 months to not work at Tesla and go all in. Or you can go ham on something like TikTok, which is a blessing because there's not a lot of places where you can grow that fast. And do these, you know, if you look at what's going on on TikTok right now, most of you in the world 24 months ago were like, well, I'm not going to dance on there. So what am I doing here? Right. And if you look carefully, there is some crazy content being produced on the platform right now. ASMR type cooking stuff, um, just like educational stuff. Like it's really happening. And Gary, I shared with her the uh, example of Miss Excel earlier, mm -hmm. who's uh, yep. got a million followers. She yep. never puts her face on camera. It's just yep. Excel tips. That's right. So, you know, I think for you really specifically, if you're going to do it while you're employed at Tesla, it's going to be TikTok. The other option is to stop spending money for two years on anything but food and shelter so that you can save it. And you can then give yourself two years to then like, right. Cause that's the other, and, and by the way, you might've won the lotto or made great investments and you can do that <laughs> now, but, but you've got to recognize that you can't, you can't change reality. And the reality yeah. is, you yeah. know, this, you're playing this weird game where like, if you get successful at it, then they're going to see it. And that's going to be the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and just I, caught it, in this the, like vicious game. Yeah. And the pro I guess part of the problem is that I, um, I actually like really love my job and I, I love my awesome. team and, and I, I don't, I am in complete position can to, I, can I to throw quit my job. I never have to work again. Okay. I, so then can I, I throw, understood. So that, you know, five years of Tesla is a good move. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, there's a left field one. You might want to really go inside yourself and find out if you, so for example, for me, right. I'm an entrepreneur, but boy, do I have a lot of guidance counselor, you know, reverend, uh, psychologist, you know, you might be able to scratch your emotional itch by helping people, not in the subject matter of business and like ops. Well, my, my whole other thing is like around personal finance and, um, I, right. it's so not like, something I do at all for my work, but I'm right. really good at it. I coach. So that, that gets, that gets really interesting to me because then you can have your cake and eat it too. Okay. So that's what I need to do. I just need to go. And I would that. do it on TikTok hard because A, it will work. B, the quicker you can help the youngsters that stumble on it. The bigger That's the impact. thing. People, especially women, have like no clue and they get left news, behind. And I'm pissed about this. it. I always hear this, especially women, especially minorities. I always say this to my good friends. I'm like, the amount of white men that have no idea how to manage their fucking money is extraordinary. <laughs> so let's not like kid ourselves. Like every like the war, the reason is from zero to 18, back to our good friend Garrett here, the world is broken. The education system of the world is broken. How the fuck did I go through 18 years of school and not learn anything about basic money management? Yeah, brutal. I like so absolutely I, brutal. I think you should go ham on Instagram, excuse me, on TikTok, all of them, but TikTok specifically on this subject matter will dominate. And there's a lot of people out there on it, but I have a funny feeling you could do well just by spending a few seconds even with you. 
amazing. Thank you so awesome. much. You're that was really helpful. It will yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to go way, over three, to three times a day to the best of your ability, three posts a day to the best of your ability. The other thing that people will do wrong with what I just said is they'll post once every three days. That's like, I'm, that's like doing a push up and thinking you're doing good health and wellness. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get out of my own head. It's my problem. The good news with TikTok is it's completely based on interest. So you can post something that gets 14 views and the next one might get 47,000. So because you're succumbing to the algorithm, get out of your own head. Like don't worry about anything, literally besides making it. You're not okay. going to be right. You're not going to be right anyway. <laughs> like you don't have enough experience to be right of what's going to work. So you almost have to go through like, almost think of it this way, 500 posts before you're allowed to think what's going to work. Okay. That's helpful. And back to his point again, other things that a lot of you might be thinking through, you don't like being on camera because you feel self-conscious. You don't like how your voice sounds. You don't like, like you can hack around everything. Okay. I love it. Like a lot of people who follow me, they think they have to be so high energy. I'm like, no, no, you have to be yourself. Everybody, like the 15 years on the internet is very clear. All versions work. Pretty, not pretty. High energy, low energy. Uh, monotone, high pit. Like all of it works. It comes down to, do you know what you're talking about? And do you know the platform that you're producing on? So what you need to do is now go consume a ton of TikTok information content to then get a sense. Okay, doing it. Thanks, Gary. You got it. All right, Doug Bell, you are up, sir. I like the I like the CPA data real quick in the chat. <laughs> the, math, the math was run. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, Gary. Uh, just a bit of a preamble for you. Um, so, Northern Lights Winery is my brand. Uh, we're Canada's largest fruit winery. Started about six years ago. Family company, family group of companies, and we're a super niche. Um, brand in that we obviously are making wines from things other than grapes. So yep. cranberry, strawberry, rhubarb, blueberry, uh, you name it, blackberry, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, because we're in such a niche market, there's a lot of education, but you know, we're not trying to sell to people who don't want to be sold to. We really want to kind of focus and find our consumers. Um, within our area, we've been extremely successful because we have built this really nice community of people within um, uh, our region that really kind of know us and love us. Um, but as we're getting further and further away, it's kind of harder to connect with people in that same manner. Um, so we're not able to kind of grow as fast as we get further away from our home base. Of course, uh, they're, very, they're yes. very different businesses. One's a local business, one's a scaled brand play. That's right. So, I mean, uh, we're kind of in an interesting place because we're struggling with uh, the need to create that community and brand awareness. Um, with also our desire to grow, um, to become one of the more well-known brands and, and really can create experiences for people across the country. Um, and uh, so in that, we're always getting this push and pull of how much do we, time do we spend branding and how much time do we spend on sales? Uh, and, and how do we kind of balance that? So that's kind of my first well, question. Yeah, anyways, let's start how with we that. Do that. Well, our push and pull with whom? You yourself in the mirror? No, with uh, uh, with us and ourselves. Yeah, I mean, with our yeah. sales team and with uh, and with ourselves, right? In terms, I, I, of, I of think that. I think you can really run the gamut of eighty twenty in either direction, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. 
Yeah, what we want to accomplish, we want to create more experiences with people and we want them to connect with no, us. No, I understand that. I'm sorry, that's the micro. I'm going macro. Yeah. Are you planning on selling the business? No, not in any time, not anytime soon. Good news. Then you have no problem. I mean this. I'm going to break this down for you. I understand everything you're saying. It's, you're just talking about pacing now. Yeah. Yeah, right? totally. So the answer, is, the answer is both can work. It just, honestly... I think it comes down to what you like more. If it's second gen and you're thinking like not anytime soon and like, and this is where I need real answers. If you're like, no, Gary, actually I'm second gen and I'm the guy who I want to sell it to a PE firm in six years. Well, that's different. If you're telling me 21 years, well, that's different. So like that's the answer to your question comes from the North star. It's why, you know, James, you start with James, serious, you know, James, comes in, knows exactly what he's doing in ad land. And, and because I don't, even at that point, I, even at this point, I don't over communicate everything running through my mind. I was doing things very differently, not because I was right or wrong or James was right or wrong when he was my COO. It's just that there are not many agencies on earth that are build, being built to be built in perpetuity. So my, my appetite to not make any profit is not an accustomed, that's not normal. Almost every agency of any size is a publicly traded company. They have to make numbers every 90 days, let alone every year. So all my decisions were foreign and, and for James up front, and then he got accustomed to it. And his feedback and his vision were things that I had to factor into, hey, this is his framework. That's where I'm going with you and everybody else right now. Most of the decisions all of you have to make is what are you actually up to? Like, if you tell me you're trying to sell the company in three years, I'm going to give you very different advice if you're trying to sustain it in perpetuity and how much you care about money versus loving it. That's the other thing. I really don't want to sell it. I don't really want to sell in the short term. Of course, you know, never know what it's going to be like well, in what's, 10 years. What's, I would say okay. 20 years is a longer time frame, but so let, we're kind of ten, at a decision is ten, point. Is 10 a fair one? Yeah, you never know what'll happen in 10 years. So I definitely don't, don't want to be in a place where tomorrow. I need sure. another 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, look, I think, here's what I would say. The, you don't have as big of a local base as you think. Everybody makes that mistake. Everybody. Everyone's like, man, we've got this squeezed. The community loves us. And now we're going to go to Toronto. You never have as much local business as you think. It's number one rule of a business like this, for sure. So A, if that's exciting for you, right? Cause you're like, shit, we really know how to do this. We've got this model down. You can go ham and quadruple down on it. If it's not because you, you got youthful, big ambition and conquering Montreal sounds more fun. Well, then you can just do that, but it won't be as financially viable as quickly. Right. So we can grow and it just has to, we just have to kind of suck it up and make sure it's you know, we're going to keep the lights on, but yeah, that's my, that's what I think. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of if you can live as like for all of you live as humbly as possible for as long as possible. Cause that means your business is getting more of the money. I've got a second question really quick if possible. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, strategically. uh, I really feel like the winery game is very traditional and there's a lot of history and legacy behind it. Yep. That's something that we, we, we aren't really about all of that. We want to be kind of a, a new player with new ambitions and bring it down to earth a little bit for the average person who yep. maybe is, uh, you know, they're interested in wine, but they feel intimidated by it. We want to kind of open up and, and uh, introduce new game. people to wine. Yep. So 
like how, how do we everyone seems like in a place especially in canada that all the legacy players are doing the exact same thing they're working sales funnels they've got general content it's not really personalized and it talks about kind of the the, the prestige of wine but how do we like what things can we do to kind of change that game and that narrative i mean I, obviously I, our content but I, I, um no 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 that's it yeah. like this is where everybody makes the same move right like obviously our content but what else gary no no the content like if you make content that shows people pairing blueberry wine with pancakes and you have a good time with it, people here might be interested in it in a world where they're not interested in it at all. The reason why Library TV was so game-changing in the industry was I did it differently. It wasn't about arbing YouTube ads. It wasn't about anything other than I talked about wine differently. And you've got fruit wine. Like, like you should be targeting... Like your content should be targeting like, do you not like wine? Good news, we made a wine you'll like. Like you have right. a whole different game going on. You should be making content for everybody but people that are into wine. Like, totally. like, like your content needs to be about interest graph around hunting and hockey and you know sledding and do you like hot chocolate? Well, then you'll like this. Like you have so much more freedom than most people. But it's only about the content. There is nothing else on earth. It, the only thing that matters is the communication, which is the content. Of course, there's the distribution of the content. But if you don't start with the content, I can get everybody in Canada to see your video. If it's boring as shit or not interesting, it lost. So should I spend more time um, on organic in that realm, like the TikTok and stuff like yes. that? Or TikTok in... is a dream come true. It's yeah. been years since we've had this. Yeah, and trying to do things, maybe stay not stay away from paid media, but make sure that the paid media has well, got a TikTok, better return, and then the and then the course, organic but, is. But is you know this iOS fourteen five. Like, there's a lot of paid yeah. media issues now for DTC. Totally. This is time to lean into creative and brand. TikTok's heaven. And everyone's lallygagging it. If, I mean, if you're here, you're aware of me and I've been very consistent about this and you're all underperforming on TikTok and you know it. It's like, it's gonna, like how many times are we gonna do this all together? Right? Like, I, like it's the same game and every time it comes around, like I put out content and you're like, damn, I wish I found Gary when Instagram was good. And then TikTok comes and you're not doing it. That. Cool. That's awesome. Cool. Thank you, brother. Hey, brother. All right. Uh, we are going to move over to Jennifer down in Alabama. Let me uh, pull you up, Jennifer. Here we are. Hey, JC. Hey, thanks for your time, Gary. I really appreciate it. Um, as a bit that. of background, my husband and I opened Real and Rosemary. It's a paused, fast, casual concept in Birmingham in 2016. It was an immediate success. We did really well with it. In 2018, we opened a coffee shop called Caveat Coffee. It was also a success. Later that year, we opened a second location of Real and Rosemary. It opened slow. Within about six weeks, our investors decided the restaurant wasn't going to make it, which made it really difficult to operate and you know scrambled around. Um, all of 2019, we retooled everything below the sales line. I had a one-year-old and I would take her for a stroller walk every day and listen to your podcast. 
and you do wonderful social media, but also I really appreciate the operational advice that you gave because that really helped us navigate. Thank you. Um, when COVID hit in 2020, everything clicked and came into focus for us. Uh, my husband and I are both what I would consider wartime generals. And it was, hmm. um, it was great because we had already done all the work on the brand. We had the mousetrap built so we could really just focus on building the brand through COVID. We opened a second unit in Birmingham. We just hit a year on that one. As of this week, we own the company 100%. All our vendors are paid. We have a cash flow positive business and I'm forever grateful for helping us get there. Um, I'm getting ready in a couple of weeks to um, announce that we're gonna open a third location in Birmingham, which is really exciting for us. And we want to continue. I completely agree with what you said. We don't own enough of the local market. I'm sure it's impossible to, but we want to do more of that. And then no pun intended, we have really big appetites and we want to continue to grow the brand across the South, across the Southeast. Um, not ready to sell it anytime soon, but maybe within the next five to seven years, if that opportunity presents itself, but we're building a brand that we don't have to sell. I understand. So, so what, my do you, question, what do you, yeah, what do you want to narrow in on? Because that's a great context. One of my questions to you is, um, I've listened to a lot of your content, but I haven't heard you talk a lot about partners. When and how do you decide to bring on a partner operationally or financially? When is that appropriate versus going it alone? Ne never, if you can help it. Yeah, okay. Right? You know, and <laughs> that's goes, been my experience. <laughs> yeah, and it goes and I've back, had some good ones, but. <laughs> it goes back to like, what makes you happy? Yeah. I mean, I have an offer for somebody for one of the biggest VC firms in the world to buy 10% of B friends. It has my brother on the ground in excitement. <laughs> and I'm not even returning the email <laughs> to set up the meeting. Right. And it would be a game changer for me. Think about the level I'm playing at, and it would be a Absolutely. game changer for me. So we're talking real mm -hmm. economics. And my I, I had a meeting with my accountant today, like planning for next year and taxes and everything. And he was right. flabbergasted that I haven't even reached back out in the last 30 days. <laughs> it's because I kind of almost had my own realization. It's the advice I'm giving you now, which is like, I don't like it. James yeah. knows my deal with Steve Ross. And I only did that because AJ was at a point in his life where the money mattered <laughs> to set up his life. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't. Um, but like, <laughs> I'm sure when James looked under the hood, it's so egregiously bad for Stephen mm -hmm. Ross. Like they have no rights. Like I could, I could start a new agency by changing all the names of the company. Like it's crazy the deal they made. That was the only reason I've even had a partner other than like family. Like it's not fun. Right. But, That's really helpful. But, but in your business model, if you want to take in PE money or things of that nature to expand it, make it, a, you know, if you want, if you want to sell it, if things that like there are, I want to go with speed. I really like the growth that's, and development. That's, that's what the, I've the, done. The problem <laughs> is the problem is that's why I hate speed so much. I know <laughs> speed, speed comes with compromise. Yes. You're going to speed yourself right. into money that has control. And that's why we've tried to be patient and we have it ourselves now. And so tagging off of the, that. The other thing, Jen, on just on that point, something you've heard a lot from me. I wish you knew how young you were. <laughs> yeah for sure no but no no before yeah for sure like in 17 years you still have like 35 years like you know like, right. you know what I mean like if you can contextualize time yeah I agree um the the other the, thing there's a company called Clearbank. okay so obviously the Canadians shook their heads right like there there's some really new funding mechanisms where you don't have to give up control that you might want to look into Right. There's also okay. people that just want to lend money. 
and make interest. Okay. Like the good, if James is right there. Like the good old fashioned credit line and the good old fashioned, right. like, like we don't even talk about getting bank loans anymore that you pay off. So you don't have to give up yeah. your, we don't even talk about that. Remember everybody grew <laughs> up with that concept. So there's, right. a lot, there's a lot of other things. You can see what's going on in the chat right now. So keep that in mind as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, kind of piggybacking off of Please. that. We, um, you know, I do believe we've tried to be really patient with the restaurant and grow it the right way. And I think it does need more time as we grow. We're trying to do it the right way, but we have big brains and big motors and we're trying to decide how or when we should add a business um, to keep us interested, so to speak, versus That's just cool. focusing on the one. And particularly because we have a location-based business, kind of, a, you know, a community mm-hmm. business. And I feel like I'm missing out on a lot of, you know, e-commerce and these, the opportunities that are really in front right now. We are in Birmingham, but you know, it's a big yeah. world and just trying to balance this. I'll things. give you one that might work for you. Um, and it could actually work for Doug and Doug, thank you for the empathy in the background. Um, uh, both of you could go into products that are very viable for the things that, you know, Brian Nihon know, like, like you, like for example, with Doug's business, he should, in my opinion, stand up his most signature fruit wine and then make a fruit jam compliment product within the brand. So he can ship that nationally and globally. Yeah. You should do the same thing. Like, like for example, I've actually am starting a restaurant group uh, here in New York, right? And one of the things I'm talking to guys about, I'm like, look, I don't, I'm really supporting two friends, but now that they've brought me a little bit more in than just money, I'm like, look, I'm not interested in this. But if you say that we're gonna start a restaurant that has a signature mustard, that everyone's gonna love the fucking mustard, like everyone's focused on the mustard, that I can build a 300 million direct consumer mustard brand, now I'm really interested. So I think one of the things you can think about is, could you create a signature condiment or dish in your place that become, you strictly stood up the concept of this unique pepper just to create a DTC pepper business? Mm-hmm. I, I would like to do that. I think I'm, I'm going to work on that for sure. Yeah, that, absolutely. That could when probably, I, that could scratch your big ambition, creativity muscle, right? You create yeah. something that lives within your restaurant that then can be spun out to be a global DTC CPG brand. I just wanted to say when you started the VCR group, I reached out to David Rodolitz. He was kind enough that. to give me some of his time and he was amazing that. and gave me some great ideas for the business. It was also encouraging seeing you going into the restaurant business after COVID in the last year or two. Oh, I love it. I, I, I love it. I, when I was saying to them, I'm not interested, it wasn't because I'm not interested. It's just that they're such experts, my three partners. I'm like, you don't need me to run a restaurant. You guys have done this for 74 fucking years. I'll bring innovation. And here's an innovation. Let's create an olive oil that we pour for people the second they sit down with incredible bread and let's build up the reputation of the olive oil so that we can then sell $100 million a year in olive oil direct to consumer. Right. Right? Like the level of focus to an olive oil that's just on the table, that's not the normal move for a restaurant. But for me, that's the innovation. Right. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yep. Let's keep it going. All right. Uh, we're going to go over to Garrett Wilhelm uh, down in Virginia. Here we go, Garrett. Yeah, and again, super thankful for your time, Gary. I've been following your content for quite a while and can attribute some success to that. So thank you so much. I'm extremely grateful. Um, my question is very specific. It's around uh, people and it's around scalability, right? So 
My business is at about 1.2 million a year um, and we're ready to kind of move forward and grow. The challenging thing is, is the cost of humans has gone up. Uh, and so for us, you know, we're kind of playing around with this idea of bringing people up through the company comparatively to, you know, paying the higher cost for more skilled, skilled people. Yeah, I would, uh, I would, I would spend all my energy on building an incubator internally to create people and retain people. Yeah, that's what we think about a lot. I think the challenging thing around that is, 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 is for me, is that human to human training, or is it something like a tranual or something it's human that to human, human to human? That's a, you know why. The part you're gonna need is the nuanced emotional intelligence part and like your culture. That's exactly right. I was just going to say, how do you scale a feeling, right? You, like you scale it through dictatorship. Like just being that, that ambassador of the brand to James yeah. and Joe know what doesn't fly in my world. Got it. Which so you both start... of them have spent enough time prior to me knowing there are people that are talented that they would never consider hiring because they know if I sniffed out their behavior, which was completely appropriate in places they used to work, that there's no shot that that person's going to succeed because I'm going to smoke them out if they don't. Got it. So you start with kind of your, your, your Mount Rushmore of, of people in leadership, put your value into that and then allow that to kind of trickle down, if you will. And then let you, what you have to be is never let it be compromised. Right. So that's exactly right. Comma, as you start to scale, when I'll give you an example, Carol, is adored by every parent and people are signing up to your school because of Carol, because she's insane with parents and kids. But Carol makes Ricky and Susan and Sally miserable because she's audacious and braggadocious and snarky to them because they're not Carol. You have to fire Carol. Yeah. You know how, do you know how hard that is for most businesses, the scenario I just told you? I mean, it's a very hard thing, right? Because they bring in a lot of rep. I, I see your point exactly. What yeah. I do that is highly unusual that I'm trying to teach the business world to do is to not compromise on culture over finance. And that's incredibly foreign because people have to keep the lights on. I promise you right now for everybody here who has employees, the biggest vulnerability in your entire company is your weakest cultural employee. So then spending time on finding that person or people. Create, and yeah, make, and, and, and creating them is the best way. You get a yeah. raw asset at 23, you have a better chance in 25 months making them the 25-year-old version. Retraining is hard. That's what I'm finding. That's what I'm finding. I, I come with And you're also, you're also coming and trying to hire people from a system you don't like. Exactly. I'm aware. No, I'm aware. No, no, no. Yeah. So it's you can't it's achieve what you part. want. That's right. You yeah. can't achieve what you want. Yeah. You're, because, you're witnessing it firsthand. We've got Julia Balick here, straight out of school. She's a good one. She's a keeper. We're growing her from the ground up. <laughs> I, I get it. And we have a better chance with Julia than if she was you because you came in with a lot of baggage, Joe. So, and by the so, way, I'm making a joke, but like Joe's like the greatest. And, you, and what you don't realize is the sub, some of the teachers you're hiring, they're wonderful. They don't even realize that they're doing it. 
I'll, I'll give you Joe's. It's a lot easier if I get Julia from the beginning to be like, we're going to be Vayner X centric, not client centric. We do it our way. Joe has seven, eight, 12, 15 years of doing client services anywhere else in the world. He subconsciously doesn't realize that he's letting the client seep in the dictation, which ultimately becomes the reason we lose them. Mm. Yeah, it's wild in my business. In my business, the number one reason we lose is because we let the client get what they want in the short term and then they fire us for it. I'd rather not, I, because they stink. Yeah. And they tell you to do stink shit. Yeah. And at first they love it because you're doing what they feel comfortable with, but then they fire you because it's not doing well. And they don't even know how to score it. Amen. Yeah. So that that's makes- what you're dealing with. You're trying to hire teachers who already conform to the education system, which has remarkable flaws against your hypothesis. Yep. And it's unlearning people rather than teaching people, which is and, what I'm great. <laughs> and unlearning is impossibly hard and teaching is wildly easy if you get them in the right state. Awesome. That's it, my Very man. Much. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm excited for you. It's going to work. Thank you. It, because what, here's what it is, Garrett. If you, like, if you now execute on what I just felt from you in response, it becomes a religion. So you waste no time. You just don't hire from there. That's it. That's it. I love it. Shifting focus. Younger. Shifting focus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Love it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Garrett. Uh, next, we're going to bring on Brennan and Doug, who want to talk about Guild of Women and NFTs. Thank you. Hi. So I'm going to, as concisely as possible, share a bit of the history, and I'm going to hand it to Doug, who's going to bring us into the future. So as mentioned, we recently opened a small luxury boutique hotel in Philadelphia. The property is inside a national historic landmark, and the property was deemed a landmark due to deep, deep roots in the women's movement. So founded in 1882, a group of badass women, suffragists, abolitionists, one woman was a founding member of the NAACP, they all gathered here and changed the history of women, you know, across the country and beyond. And while it's very new, less than three months old, what we did was we dedicated each of the rooms to one of these founders or women and told their story, which is largely unknown through these rooms and suites. And the response the response has been incredible. Everyone who walks through here is really wowed by it. We, of course, are in love with it ourselves. Our city is now in love with it, which we're so proud of. Um, but we recognize that there are many more women, both as members of the Guild and throughout the world, that really deserve light shining on them as well, which led us into this concept that Doug's going to share of uh, dipping our toes into the NFT space. I understand. Right, and essentially, it's to to tell that story on on a grander scale, right? To honor those women as well as give women uh, of today an opportunity. How are you going to handle the name, image, and likeness of the women if this is how direct you're going to go with it? Handle them well. We're not using the actual names in the NFTs. Is that what you're saying? Got it. Yeah, that's where I thought you were going to go. Got it. No. So again, we want to, we're honoring the actual women, but really what the NFTs is about the women of today, right. That are breaking down doors and glass ceilings. And so, you know, there's a bunch of utility that I can get into, but the, 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 to me, the, the connection on, um, 
the women's movement is not only the charitable donation to the cause that still exists today, right? So some proceeds will go to that, um, but also the NFTs, essentially each owner would be able to create their story and have that you know, on the blockchain with their NFT. And so obviously it's a male dominated space. Um, and so our biggest challenge is, you know, how do we- Way, way, way less than, you know, everyone likes to throw that around. By comparison, Web3 is remarkably more diverse than Web2 and One were. And if you look at the projects, I mean, the female movement of whether it's World of Women or, you know, and I've been very active in it, it's very advanced. Agreed, it's very advanced. There's also, I think you could see pretty easily the women's projects that you've, you know, tweeted about or whatnot and haven't, right? Kind of two different things uh, in terms of, I think, some of the results, but um, for, for sure. So they are there. But I think the thing that we're dealing with is, yes, our audience is women. We also feel we need to incorporate men into that as well. And so that's also part of um, not only the finance, so not only the financial aspect, right? So there'll be income earned from owning the NFT as well. We're also incorporating it with the hotel where you can get some free hotel stays. What about income earned? Because if you go to income earned, you're going into securities. So my understanding from the attorneys that we've spoken with, if you do it off the mint and it goes to a separate wallet and it goes to them directly, that that's not a security. The other, in, no? You're, you're talking to very bad lawyers. Okay. Of course, it's a security just because you're setting up a different functionality. Okay. Yeah, you should definitely kick into, by the way, on the record, I could be wrong, but fuck, that's not, I've spent a lot of time on this. I would be surprised if that's the case. Yeah. So look, we, we come from a finance and capital raising background. So we need to err on the side of caution with, with everything that we're doing. That's so. what I'm worried. That's what I'm worried about because yeah. you also don't need it, right? It's not a trigger that you need. And so I just want you to, Again, I could be wrong because it's all so new, uh, but please quadruple check that one because that's yeah. the cause that's going to hurt your reputation. Exactly. So I will. We can move on from that because like you said, yeah, yeah, exactly. that's, not, that's not what the project yeah, yeah. is about, right? What can I answer? Because I'm following very easily. Go. Yeah. How do we sell out? How do we easy. sell out? Easy. You, you stand up a Discord. You produce ungodly levels of... Uh, Twitter content around everything that you just talked about. You have a lot more going for you than most projects. Yeah. And you just launch in four months instead of four weeks. Okay. Everyone's biggest problem of why they're not selling out is everyone's in gold rush mode and they just want to get their project out as quickly as possible. And then they pray to your point that I tweet it or somebody that like me does, yeah. which is the reverse of building a tangible real business, which is build a real community through the, I mean, the fact that you have this hotel and I love the story, right? And then I wrote something down. I think you should launch 1,882 tokens, right? Cause it sits right into your narrative, right? Yep. A little bit less than what you can maximize in, but maybe you do that as the original thing and then you can build a second one. But like, yes. the, the, I, like Doug, I think the, I, by you wearing that hoodie and you guys doing this, the thing that's happening right now, brother, in this space, is everyone's fucking up because they have no patience to actually spend the four to six months to actually build a Discord community. If yep. you build one for four to six months, you'll do quite well. Otherwise, you're leaving it to chance. And right. back to me being so involved in a lot of female projects, there's like 87,000 being built right now. Right. It's insane. Like, every, you know, I'm getting 15 to 50 texts a day on I'm building a female project because 
they think that's the advantage. It's just not going to be. Right. So one question about that. I don't know if you followed Women Rise, like they just launched. Of I, mean, I, I hung with them yesterday in Miami. So I was shocked. I think they've sold like 1500 so far. I mean, it seems like they've got the Discord, the Twitter, they've been doing it for a while. Yep. And, and that's why they're pinging me 450 times a day. And even with Randy Zuckerberg twice yesterday, like, um, it, I don't think they, I don't think they built enough. She's lovely. They're lovely. Yeah. It's a great project. One of the reasons I'm not doing anything about it is I can't support it just because it's beam. I can't support everything. In terms of our focus, so there's, look, the mission has been self-supporting women, right? And so obviously we're talking about that. The other aspect that we're looking to incorporate is financial, a financial literacy component, because one, it's authentic to the history. Like they set up a trust that's funded women's projects for 140 years. We're also really passionate about financial literacy. And so whether it's an investment vehicle, which maybe it's not, but incorporating that into the message with the self-supporting women, do you feel that could make sense or do you feel like it's trying to serve two, two different things? I think you're looking, I, I love the way you asked the question directly and all your behavior matches your question, which is what I love the focus. I think you're looking for the triggers to create success. Mm. And the reason you're surprised by Rise is it's not about the, the literacy, like it's not about the altruism. Well, right. It's not. It's about, it's about the variables of like, first of all, 90% of the people in the space buying NFTs are buying it with the thought that they're going to make a profit. Right. Right. So you're in a, you're in a very unique spot where, first of all, I think at any second, the whole thing could have a massive collapse, like internet stocks in 2000. Yep. Two, nobody's building meaningful, like, 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 Everything that worked in May and March and April is dead already. Those were the first right. mover advantage. That's just not how it works. You know, real estate. Sorry, you didn't buy beachfront property. That's done now. So, you know, now you got to decide if this is going to be Malibu or Schmalibu, because if it's going to be Schmalibu, you're not going to buy the fourth street off the beach. If it's going to be Malibu, good news. You're going to fucking crush. You yeah. have to decide that. And then number two, I think you have to build. This is why I'm in such a good place. You have to build on actual community which you have none of yet digitally, which is okay. You yep. got to start, you know, you're going to start to, and yep. two, you've got to build on content. Like you've got to make, and the good news is the game is very well laid out. It is a Twitter and discord game. Yep. Dominate Twitter and discord for six months and then launch your project. That gives you an incredible chance of success. Why is everybody not doing that? Because everybody doesn't know when the whole thing's going to stop. And so they're trying to get out as fast as possible and get as much Ethereum in their wallet as possible. Yeah. So last thing on that. So on the NFT or the crypto front, like I'm the one that's driving that, right? We've got amazing women like Brennan, our artists, you know, everyone else is female, but I feel like I'm the one, like, I mean, I the can't business be. Part. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have a concern about that. And maybe I should just put that to the side or trying to figure Why? out. Transparency always works. You got, yeah. you know, just cause you're one of the team members, like boys can help girls. Right. Okay. I, I, again, I'm very excited because what I'm hearing is somebody who really knows what's going on in NFT land, you, mm -hmm. but I think it's trapping you into all the wrong things. It's why I'm so pushing against the space right now. You're mm -hmm. on it. You're on it. 
the problem is the on it right now are doing the wrong things and the whole thing's gonna shit. Mm. That's why there's going to be a crash. The behavior is way too short term, way too like, it's not in the depth. We're yeah. in the sizzle phase. It's the gold rush. This is 1800, whatever the fuck it was. And everyone's in, everybody on the East Coast is saying, you gotta get to LA. Everyone makes money. They're just gold. The problem is it's not gonna work out. Like you've gotta do the real stuff. You need to build a community for six months and then you'll sell out. Otherwise you might not. Or you can get lucky and somebody that influences sales does it. All right. Sounds good. Awesome. We'll, 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 we'll I don't work. think you should, by the way, you should definitely not hide as a team member. No, no. I, I, I'm not hiding as a you, team member. I think you I'm could, be, you could, just because you can speak about NFTs better than Brennan and your artist doesn't mean that that's going to undermine the female nature of the project. The truth right. is the truth of the truth of what you're doing. Right. Okay. And uh, on a side note, maybe some way we, uh, we created a, uh, an honorary member guild of women um, for you um, of your mom. So we'd love to get that, love into to see that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Thank Gary. Thank you, Bryn. Awesome. We're going to bring on the Simons. So um, Aaron and Elizabeth say hi. Hello, hi, Gary. Gary. Hi, hi. I don't know where you went on the screen. Where'd you go? Oh, there you are. All right. It moves around every time. So I, when we when we started, you remember uh, Swanky Sauce with Boehner Sports. I remember. We started, uh, oh my gosh, we started that back in 2012 based on your um, regret is poison kind of thing. And it was just a passion project. We did it. Awesome. It's been going. We sell a couple thousand bottles of barbecue sauce a year. Nothing crazy. Yep. Then we started a YouTube channel. Actually, my wife started it. How-to videos about goats. We own a goat farm, right? How to do this, how to do that. And then to make a long story short, I started vlogging. The family, everything, four kids living on this farm, running the barbecue sauce business. And then we had some stupid idea of going live 24-7. And that's what we do now. We have two barns, four cameras. It's all ridiculous, pretty much. But it's two live cams all the time on YouTube. One stays still all the time. It's really, it's really not. I mean, you know this, it wasn't a yeah. stupid idea. You've seen other executions of this work. So you were yep. smart. I think it's the furthest thing from a stupid idea, but go ahead. Yeah. So, so then the, the stupid part, well, the part we didn't realize, and that's when we'll get into the question here, is the community that we built and how close we have gotten to them and how close they have gotten to us. Half this stuff you see behind us was sent here from our community. That's awesome. So, because I'm a DNF student, I'm going to let my wife read the question. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, it really kind of originated back in 2009 when we wanted a source of fresh eggs for our, our growing family. At the time, we had two young boys and we knew that grocery store food wasn't exactly the healthiest. What you wanted to put it? Yeah. I love milk. it. And so we started with chickens. Turns out chickens are the gateway livestock animal. And so we had to naturally upgrade and we got ourselves into goats, mainly because I felt cows were a little too big big. and um, to manage around a young family. Um, So we got into goats for the milk and then my kids started showing them and really creating that bond with their animals. And um, to your point, we started the YouTube channel so that I could teach kind of how to, or how we do, because it's not, you ask 10 different farmers how they raise their goats, you're gonna get 12 different answers. Um, so we started that as sort of my new year's resolution in 2018, by 2019, kidding season rolling around, 
it was actually out of convenience that we started yeah. to live stream because it was becoming too hard to have makes sense. with yeah, baby goats yeah, makes sense. documenting and mm -hmm. having to go in and edit all that content. Mm -hmm. So we just live streamed it and we would take the camera off the wall for the for the community and we it was like you're having a bird. I totally, night. totally, totally, totally get it, as you know. Yeah. So fast forward during one of our Q and A's that we were doing and our community actually was asking us, well, what can we buy that we can have a piece of your totally heart? Totally makes sense. And so I had dabbled in some lotion and, you know, a month or two later, we were taking hundreds of pre-orders and having to upgrade our manufacturing facility. And, um, and then in 2020, he got laid off from his day job, but we had a foundation and all awesome. we were able to do, you know, 2018, we had a gross income of 30,000. It was really just a hobby that helped pay for the hay bill. Um, this year, we're looking to um, gross over 250,000. Awesome. And um, we have, like I said, we really go into the quality of our products is what, what our brand is about. People have learned to expect a certain quality, a certain Of course. Level. And, and it's there. Um, so we Of course, have, it's, at, it's at the size and scale where it can be extreme quality. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess a couple of our questions, because our quality is what it is, I am not willing to budge on, on our quality. I have a hard time delegating to other people. Um, and we don't have any real employees yet. We have some friends and family that help us. Um, but to take some stuff off of my plate and off of his plate, we kind of delegate some of these projects that I have a hard time, honestly, delegating. Um, and it's because when I get the quality of work back, I'm like, I should have just done this myself. So on a scalability issue, as we're growing, how, how do I continue to ensure that the quality is there, but be able to delegate and, and by, by letting the person that should be judging it, judge it. Mm. So let the customer judge it. Yes, those people. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the biggest mistake. We don't lose those customers if the job because <laughs> because because you may lose seventeen customers when that batch went wrong, but then you'll adjust. But no. at this point, you're going nowhere. Right. This is how I took my dad's business from three to sixty-five million. He wanted to do everything. I said, let the customer decide. This is deja vu for me. Yeah. yeah. You know what you learn? Who well, not to let do it again. <laughs> no, that's again thinking, you're thinking too much defense. Yeah. You're so focused on that part. That part's easy to your point. You'll find out in one second about that. You're, you're, you're compromising on ego, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Ego's hurting you. I make this better. And it's coming from a good place. It's, you know, sometimes yeah. ego is a bad word, but like, it's not that bad, but it is what's happening here. Yeah. I, I've, I have a news alert for you. Many, 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 many people on earth can do it too. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, good. Find them. Well, and that's the, that, that leads me to my next question. Um, because yeah. we are 18 months into this real, like put, putting fuel on a fire. Um, and we're sitting at 250 gross sales. Um, but we haven't actually paid ourselves yet. Yep. So how do we, you know, with reinvesting constantly back into the business to grow at the speed that we're growing at, we can't afford an employee. 
um, just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's a lot of ways to think about this. One, are you selling it for enough margin? This is yes. where I believe so. Yeah. yeah, our soaps were selling at about an 86% margin. Um, What's wrong with 300%? That would put us, I mean- Well, so we're already for goat milk um, soap industry standard is, you know, even on the high end is about $1.50 an ounce. Okay. And I believe we're already at, you would know the numbers. Oh, we're up in the $2 an ounce range. Um, yeah. And same goes for our goat milk lotion. But, but to Gary's okay. point, and I'm just going to show because it's easier. We've launched very simple soap, right? $7 a bar. And then to my wife's point, we're up in the $15 a bar soap when you right. get into the fancy, you know, holiday stuff, you know, and, and $15 for a bar of soap in the soap world is high. But we look at it as artwork that happens to be in soap. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, we sell out of a lot of it. I just don't think 20 can be justified. I, I, I don't 15 know. couldn't be justified if you were talking about it at 12. Right. Yeah, yeah and we were at 12 yeah. and we went and to, we 15. Went to 15. And we just did a $5 yeah. increase per bottle of lotion. We were at 15, now we're at 20. And I mean, I, I, you talk about the big guys with the Beekman um, lotions, price per ounce were even higher than they are. Right. But we're still I, selling out. Yeah, I mean, you've not figured out your price as a, like upside, right? You just, you're not gonna be able to hire somebody if you're not making enough margin against what, how you're reinvesting back in. You're gonna have to figure this so, out. Yeah. So I'm just gonna, I don't think based on the margin, I don't think that's it. Cause where all the money's going is actually not into the soap and the lotion. It's going into other products behind the brand, like the custom stuffed animal of one of our goats. Our audience is excited about this. They love it, but it's stuck in a shipping container in LA based on the current COVID. That, yeah, that's, that's but just- that's where the that's money just, went. Yeah, that's just small business mismanagement of cash flow. Like you should have pre-sold the toy. Yeah, we, well, and we were told to, well, well, we were told to, and we were told not to um, because- Well, we, you, were, it, you were totally not right though, because think about what's happening. Like, think about this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I think the, you know, the reality is, is that when you're in a cash flow crunch, outlaying money is always a bad idea. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. And what you could have done is created perceived value. How much are you selling the stuffed animal for? That, $40. That's going to go for 40. Great. So you could have sold it for 36 on pre-sale and 44.99 when it got here, which would have created urgency and savings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that just comes down to a logistic issue. We tried a pre-sale once before and Shopify was a mess and we were like, oh my gosh, no pre-sales anymore. So that just might That's be an awesome. ideological mistake. Like maybe yeah. there's been technology advancements. Maybe there's a new Shopify plugin that's, there might be. you know, like you made an ideological point of view. Yeah. yeah. And what you've done is you've created a financial cash flow crunch, which is the, the number one rule of your business and the number two and three rule is manage your cash flow when you're this small. Right. Yeah. Which if we managed it or pre-sold those, or we even have a book we just launched uh, that happened to show up about a week before we thought it was going to. So, so we what launched does that mean? it. What's that? What, is that bad or? No, that was good. Do? We. No, okay. that was great because it then opened up, a, you know, more, more sales, cash flow. More cash yeah. Flow. You guys, you guys basically need to do 
80% of the thing that's working, yeah. maximize the fuck out of it. It sounds like you just did with raising your prices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 80% of your energy needs to go there. And you guys are such entrepreneurs and creatives that you're getting caught up in the other stuff, which is amazing. But when you do that stuff, max 30% of your energy, my preference, 20% of your energy. Every time you do a fucking book or a stuffed animal or whatever the fuck else you're going to come up with in a week, you always pre-sell it. Okay. Because you have a rabid community that trusts you. Right. So we have other products we want to launch to your point. Good Good news. All this creative entrepreneurial juice you have from DNF student DNA, you can launch them all but I want you to pre-sell every one of them. Should I Kickstarter them? No. Because we thought of that too. No, just. No, that's just a tactical slight difference. That doesn't Got mean it. anything. Doesn't mean anything. All right. No. So one of the, one of the. You need to, it sounds like you need to Google if there's a better plugin for pre-sales on Shopify. I and do. It and you know what? It, and to your point, it was short term. We needed that cash. Um, it, we didn't. You made, I, you made it, you made a strategic decision to make yeah. something and you needed you needed this strategy right before it to make that thing. Right. Yeah. Right. It was yeah. So one you of the have things to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so we do um subscription-based um products as well and one of those is actually a subscription based to our live chat. So we moved away from a volunteer moderator chat on our live streams and moved towards a membership um, platform that YouTube provides where yep. only people who are subscribers yep. and, yep. um, and pay us a monthly fee. Yep. Anybody can watch. It's free. I got Anybody it. can log in and watch. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Right. What would you suggest, um, to grow that membership on, Nothing. Our, on our channels? Nothing. Nothing. Just keep doing it's a, it's doing. a, it's a very aggressive ask. Yeah. It is. And, it's all, and we said it only at $1.99, but to your point, it's still Nothing. like, why am I going to pay to chat? Yeah. I, I think it's an aggressive ask. I think it's fine for it to be there. And the only reason we did that is because the trolls and the, because we're live 24 seven, we can't watch it 24 seven and people were coming in yeah, talking. I understand. It, it just got ugly. I, I understand, but yeah. it's hurting you more than you think. Yeah. No. Yeah. From a financial side, it's hurting, but no, no, from a brand perception, it seems like you're trying to monetize too much on your audience. I promise. That's a very aggressive ask. Yeah. Yeah. I really believe that. Okay. Mm. It works. Okay. It can work, but you want to think that through. Yeah. Yeah. What it did help us with, though, was um, save the continuity of the environment. I understand that. I understand that. I get it. I get it. It was definitely a. You could also you could also ban people. Oh, we have about four thousand banned already. Oh yeah. Yeah. You you also if you have that many banned, I'm also curious what you ban people for. Yeah. Well, we had a we had a distrust in our moderators is what happened. So we had to instead of just getting rid of one, we had to get rid of them all, and then create a new model, and that's what we did. We actually went dark for forty eight hours and got hate mail because we shut them down. Yeah. Um, to try to solve all this. Yeah, I think I think I understand again. I again I think that business is about strategy. Yeah. You you know whatever drama was going on with your mods, I love the idea of cleaning the deck. But you could also build back. I mean, now that you have paid people, you've got perfect people to decide to be the mods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like so. 
Yeah. 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 We have to, we actually put that idea out there that like we might go back to moderators. We might go. I think yeah. you should. I don't I don't like the do- I don't for the wholesomeness of what you're doing. The dollar ninety nine to talk thing is an egregious ask. I think. Yeah. I get the value of the cleanup, but that you do with mods. Yeah. So I'll it shift is, gears while you look at a different question. Back to your TikTok. Please don't look at mine. Um, I won't. Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> Uh, it's that push-up thing. I do it every other day or every once in a while, but really I'm trying to do the document don't create model on TikTok and it doesn't seem to be working. Good. Do something else. Okay. So it's the most important thing that you could focus. Your thing could go banana shit on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get like a hundred views on all of them and then one pops at 40,000 and then a hundred. And okay. How many posts a day? One oh, every gosh. three days? That's not, not even, even it's like, yeah. it's Once like every three, three or four a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three a day. Got it. Figure it out. Yeah. All right. I don't want to run out of time. I know we got one or two yeah. more. Go ahead, Thank, Thank you. And I love the conversation that's going on. Jennifer, thank you so, so much for offering to help with cash flow for some of our lovely 40s customers. I'm sure uh, some of these folks will take you up on it, particularly Neha, who's very active in the community right now. Uh, Neha and Brian, uh, you're the last folks on with Gary V today. So uh, we're going to go out with a bang. Okay, great. Thanks. Um, I'll do a quick intro and then throw it to Neha for the question. Um, Gary, as we said, online retail, D2C, specialty food, um, highly curated. So we're not the 5,000 SKU, hope you find something you like. We're three to 400 SKUs. The only things we sell are what lasts in our team's kitchen. If they don't like it, doesn't last in our kitchen, well, we don't want to sell it. Um, been in business four years, first two organic, next two went to paid, got us up to about 100, 130,000 a month in sales. Um, and yeah, I think that's uh, that's a quick intro. So I'll throw it to Neha. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So Gary, we've relied on the brands that we carry to build our own brand. I get it. So, so what we're now looking to do is, it's like wine library, right? Like you carry wines, but you made empathy later. So we're kind of at this juncture where we're, how do we build our own brand as a retail store? Uh, The brand Uh, or or actual brands, like private labels, but maybe not named directly after your retail store, but other brands. That's that's one way to do it because four days ago, you did tell another retailer to do this. But I have four, five quick ideas. I'm just gonna pitch them to you really fast. Yep. One, size does matter. So we're the retailer that figured out how to ship in the smallest fucking box possible, like really, really small. Two, podcast where we interview uh, suppliers, people in the CPG about the one biggest mistake they made building a food brand. Why do you want to do that as the creative? Because it's because that's a B two B show. It is. So you're using that to acquire more products for your store. Absolutely. Okay. And and our exclusive. Three. Is that is that a need? You know, it's, it doesn't sound like the biggest need of the organization is more products, right? Because given the, all the Some, headaches- Sometimes the challenge. A, right, you have such a moat with how much of the pain of the ass it is to get into Canada that I feel like you're building another moat that takes a lot of effort, the podcast, on something you already have a moat for. And you only have so much energy and time and resources. 
which is why we haven't done it yet. We've talked about it got for it. six months. Got it, got it, got it. Keep going. But understood. We're we're a team of five and yeah. It's my favorite number. Uh storytelling the the challenges of the food industry on TikTok. So some of our suppliers are just shutting down, like small food brands, they, they just can't compete, Costco's private labeling them or just building their own you know, product or knocking off a jam or whatever the case is. Well, what does that have to do with you though? It does because it is, what we do is all of the brands we carry are small to mid-sized brands who are bypassing the traditional local distributor but channel. That, I know but, that. The, but the end customer doesn't understand that, right? So understand I think what? they don't understand the food, the trajectory of like how difficult it is for a small to mid-sized food brand to survive. They don't and care. I, the fuck would a customer care about that for? Don't try to sell food on altruism. I don't think it's altruism. I think it's something that's interesting, which is it's like- really not. But what if I do a TikTok, like basically presenting to a large retailer as a brand and how difficult it is? The worst, terrible. So interesting that you're saying that. Nobody gives a shit about what you just said. People care about if the jam looks good when you put it on the bagel and then they just buy the jam. You're too nerdy right now. Okay. You're, you're making shit that you find interesting and I find I interesting. Do, I, I do, I know you do. I'm, wa- I'm I, watching you do it in real time right I now. I do. That's why I'm giving you the answer. I'm here to help you. You spent money today, I'm gonna make you money. Like you're making content that nobody gives a fuck about. Okay. You need to make content, like you, the supermarket, like Wine Library, forget about empathy. Wine Library exploded because I did things to build Wine Library, which then gave me customers, which then gave me leverage for my suppliers. You need to become the, you've been relying on the exclusivity and they've been driving your business. You need to be the driver of your business. Thus, you have to make content that's interesting to consumers. Like you need to make viral peanut butter content for the brand you decided to sell peanut butter for. But that's still focusing on the brand, right? So, okay. Yes, but you're 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 the platform that that's being done on though. Like, sure, I might be like, this peanut butter is super gooey and then I do something that makes 800,000 people watch it, but it's still being delivered from your company. Like Whole Foods markets, like Ulta markets, Sephora markets, like Costco, like you, like you have to become the marketer and you have to be consumer marketing using your products that you're selling. And yes, sure, you can integrate your own private labels over time, but you still need to make content like, because what that's going to do is give you double leverage. You're going to make product that sells better, but even better than that, now you're providing, you know, demand for brands, which is going to bring more brands to you. Right now you're, you're a value prop from a logistics standpoint, but they're driving your business. Okay. A TV show where we taste test our products. I like so, it. Do it on TikTok first. TikTok first. Okay. I mean, especially you, because you have charisma, like literally you tasting shit and just talking. Yeah. TikTok. We watched Wine Library episode one last night. Very different than episode 86. And you, I just you know what, I looked you know at what, you know what that is, by the way, and why I know those two numbers. Yeah. I was scared to lose my clients. Yeah. The first 86 episodes, people forget Wine Library was already a huge business before Wine Library TV. 
So I realized all those serious people that lived in Short Hills and Livingston and worked on Wall Street and bankers, that if I was fully me, that I was gonna lose them. So I was scared, but then the show was doing so well. And I was like, man, I'm not even fucking being myself. I, I, and it got to a place where I was like, oh, this is really gonna work. So I felt comfortable of like going all in. And so, yeah. Okay. I love it. I, I'm actually, I'm really excited about that. Um, I think you would be, I think you'd be fantastic. But just remember in between like Gary episode one and what Gary is today is where I see you and just be you. Don't try to be any version of anything. Just be you. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Um, Private label. Yes. So you've you've talked about this a lot and then the food. So right now our margins are, you know, structured. They are what they are. Yeah. Private label is immensely important to you, but I wouldn't do it like Kirkland where you have like a brand or I wouldn't do under your store brand. I would make up brands. That's what did really well for me at Wine Library. Like, like whatever, what's your favorite animal? Uh, a monkey. Good. Actually, a lion. A lion. A lion? Yeah. What's, what's a category that you think you could do more business in or something that you don't have great brands with or somewhere where you're doing business, but you don't love your margin? Condiments. Like mustard? Call it barbecue sauce. Good. Barbecue sauce. Make a legendary lion barbecue sauce right away. So, so on that, because typically private label for food is it's your basic staples, and that's we've never wanted to do that because that's I don't want to compete on basic flour. I, I think there's tons of like premium, like there's a lot of comp stores to what you do that are in the upper premium level that have plenty of private labels that are like, and what the holy grail is is if you stumble into pay dirt and like another nice. Uh, Canadian company, uh, Moose Knuckle, where they created a private label in their own store. And then that became the actual business. That gets real fun. Could you imagine you sell lion barbecue sauce to Kraft for $48 million? That's what can happen when you're the retailer. Yeah. So focus on like a premium, innovate, like- You're doing both, right? You're doing both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. But create our own, okay. But what's nice about that is you get to reverse engineer the white spaces of your retail store, right? So you just said condiments, we'd like to make more margin. That sounds good. Uh, There's a new trend and everyone's into honey toast, whatever the fuck that would be. Then now you can make one quickly in that space. So the follow up to that, Gary, is fucking money. (laughs) Money. Right? So, Brian, you want to take that? Well, and so this is the challenge. In my other CFO job, I go raise money for startups. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. We don't, we haven't done that for our company, mm-hmm. but it's the, in a product business, like doing a private label, cash flow intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were going to do- How many active like customers that, do you guys have? 10,000? 10,000. Somewhere in there. Nice. Um, f- yeah, look, again, a lot of Canada themes, like, I think ClearBank is a really interesting model. That's yeah. one. Yeah, we work with them. Great. We work with them. So more, if you can, they, I don't know how that works. They actually featured Neha. They featured Neha in their Women Entrepreneur Month. Love. Um, there's that. Number two, there's raising capital, which we've talked about in different versions, but you might have different feelings per se than Jennifer or, you know, or me or what have you. So that's number two. Number three, it, like we talked about with with our friends in the Connecticut goat life, like I, I'm a humongous believer in pre-sale. It works. When you have trust, 
It's like cashing in on trust. You've done all the right things. Everybody here is honorable, good people, delivering, trying hard, like, right? Like that's trust. Trust can be monetized in pre-sale. You'll deliver and then you'll have more trust. My dad, had, didn't, my dad didn't have cash flow for shit. Pre-sale, selling wine futures saved my dad's business. Which is why we were just thinking yesterday, we were like the 3 million to 60 for wine library. It's hard to scale that without any debt and just solely out of the profits of the company, right? Yeah, it's why I went on to become Gary V. Like I ended up being like, what I didn't know at the time was like, I was going to be an all-time good businessman. Yeah. You, you want to hear something scarier? Wine library did 3.8 million on 10% gross profit. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, you want some real C, you want some real CFO talk? Here we go. 3.8, 380,000 in sales before your expenses. Oh. And I grew that from 3.8 to 65 in seven years with no credit line. Like my, st I'm underrated. <laughs> Cause I know, you know, yeah. you know why I'm underrated? Cause I never go all the way there. Cause I think it, cause I don't want to make it seem like my dad, like it's kind of like a family thing. Yeah, for sure. Like, right. But 3.8, 10% gross profit, no credit line. Yeah. I've worked with a lot of companies who have those margins and they shove a ton of debt into the company to fund the growth. Zero. So that's impressive but I did it through all the advice I'm giving now, right? Creating high margin items, um, pre-saling. You know, I, I also, look, I, I, I say it, but like I had a lot of juice, right? I was working 17 hours a day. I had the talent. Like there was a lot go, going on there, but that's what happened. And so like, not that I expect that from everybody, but the nuances work. Pre I'm not fucking making stuffed animals that can get caught up in LA. Like we need to pre-sell that shit down in Connecticut. You know, that's it. 70% on what's working, fucking squeeze the shit out of it because you got something good there and you could fucking have nothing but fun, Aaron, like with whatever creative idea you have, but here's the rule for your fucking DNF charisma and creativity like me, it's only pre-sell. Any cockamanian shit out of your mouth is only pre-sell. And if you sell seven, by the way, you also make a lot more money when you pre-sell. You guessed how many fucking stuffed animals to make. On pre-sale, you're like, oh shit, we can make more, <laughs> you know? And when you, when you price it with worst case scenario, we only sell 50 of them, this is how much it costs. Now all of a sudden you sell 530, you get it cheaper, like the whole thing works. We're good. Gary, can we get a photo of you? Like yes. just smiling or not smiling, I don't care. <laughs> I like smiling. Okay, okay. Three, two, one, love it. Thank you. That was great. Awesome. Team, Thanks, listen. Gary. There's, this was a really epic session because it was sharp. I think, I don't know, I was in a good mood or something or sharp or it just all worked out for like shit that I've been, a lot of like, actually now I'm looking around. It's just because I've been doing everything that, I, like I'm very tied into this crew. We have like a lot going on here. Listen, there's a couple themes I want to leave you with. First, start falling in love with pre-sale because it can really help you. Start like really thinking about that. Two, if you do not go ham on TikTok content, you will be making such a regretful moment because we've got two more years of this and then it's going to go away. It's going to go away, right? And so like I saw somebody referenced with the new Apple updates getting read, like 
shit changes. TikTok's gonna get saturated because everyone's gonna figure out what I know. And it's just supply and demand of the feed. And, and really, really building that community stuff, like building, like Doug, for you, like if you guys can just hold your breath for four months and actually build a discord, you'll win. You'll mitigate all the other chance out, but you have to do it. Like building communities really matter. Obviously the Simons know that because that's what they're built on. Like community can really work for you. Like uh, Discord's a sneaky one. It's winning so big in video games and in NFTs. I actually think it's going to go to everything. So one left field thing for all of you, if Doug stands up a Discord at first, a lot of people aren't going to, his, his core customer race isn't really going to know what that is but it's so native to people because it's old AOL chat room DNA. So like even like people that aren't technically awesome very quickly get comfortable inside a Discord. We're thinking about. Definitely worth you jumping into some Discords. Join the Friends one just so you understand it, right? Actually, that's what, I'm gonna put that link in here. All of you should definitely, back to more like actions instead of just talking about it. Here is the Friends Discord. Join it. See how Discord, get comfortable with this, download the app, like get comfortable with it for you. And then I think it can really work for you. Like, for example, if Garrett starts a, you know, young parents of Virginia Discord, runs Facebook ads against young people, like young parent age on Facebook ads to a Discord, not to sign. Think about how much easier the ad will convert to join a Discord versus do you want to pay $8,000 in tuition? Now you got them in a Discord, you live in there and cultivate a community. Now you're getting them in for 49 to seven, you see 49 cents to $7 into the Discord, but you're fucking converting them after two months when they realize there's something really in there. Got it? Great time. Bye everyone.